Hi, good morning. Welcome. My name is Pastor Mark, and I get to share God's word with you. If this is your first time watching this, this uh, virtual gathering, welcome. And for those of you in our faith family, it's good to be with you and to be sharing God's word with you. Would you pray with me before we begin? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for the hope that you bring through your son, Jesus. And I pray, God, that as we are reflecting on this story of Paul's defense towards this angry mob, that you would fill us with courage and you would show us the story that we get to tell that is found in you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. This past week, Christians have been looking to the scriptures to find guidance and to find and to be reminded of the hope to help them navigate a response to all of the horrific things that are happening right now in the world. To take action towards the racism that in our nation has been once subjected to silence, now revealed and displayed for all to see and for all to immediately speak out against. We're looking for a response to the horrific death of George Floyd and so many others. And it's led to these public cries for justice. And we see that people are responding to this injustice in different ways. I recently saw this Instagram post that kind of highlighted this. It said, some are posting on social media. Some are protesting in the streets. Some are donating silently. Some are educating themselves. Some are having tough conversations with friends and family. A revolution has many lanes with others traveling in the same direction just keep your foot on the gas. Given all the events that have transpired, I couldn't be more grateful for a passage that we have come to this morning. I truly believe that this passage, this story is what God has given us to reflect on as we process through this pain, through the suffering and the injustice that so many have been enduring and have endured this last week. We find ourselves in a story where Paul, just beaten, just mocked, just isolated from his community, is now brought in front of everyone. Covered in blood and bruises, he says to the soldiers in verse 39, let me speak to the people. I assure you, if we were with Paul, if we were with Paul, we would certainly ask him, what are you going to say? What are you going to say right now? These, you've just been beaten under a false accusation. You've just been isolated from all of your friends. You've just been taken away and you're being taken away to jail. All now, you're going to address the people who have just done this to you. What are you going to say to them? Acts 22, 23, verse 11, guide us through the response of a Christian addressing injustice. And he shows us that however we're processing 
the events right now, however we're acting against the injustice, that our hope is still and always in the gospel. But it's my hope too that we see that he's teaching us, the scriptures are teaching us ways to respond, responding through the power of story, sharing our testimony, responding with a passion of urgency, knowing what to say, when to say it, and how to say it, and trusting God in that, whole, that process. And it also gives us hope to see the presence of courage that Jesus brings to Paul and to us. The power of story. Let's, let's make sure that we're all on the same page as we're diving in here. Acts 22, Paul's defense of his ministry before the mob. Remember, he was just beaten and everything. He's brought up the steps, carried by Roman guards, hardly conscious. He says, can I speak to the people? But instead of giving them facts, instead of giving them facts, he tells them his testimony. His testimony is his defense of his ministry. Stories are powerful. All of us can agree, everyone loves a good story. Everyone loves a good story, but the key to storytelling is that a storyteller must remove the boundaries of the hearer so that they set up the scene in a way that the hearer will want to listen and respond. So imagine every person, and this applies to, this is us, imagine every person has a brick wall up, and the brick wall represents something, each brick represents a truth that that person believes. Now, the goal in telling a good story is that you want to captivate their attention by telling it in a way that cracks every brick, that cracks every brick. And we can't break the bricks, but God can break the bricks. God takes our story and he gives us a new one in the power of the gospel. He brings us into a new story and this new story cracks every brick. And the hope in our prayer, and as we're telling this testimony, is that those bricks would crumble and a person would be left being invited into our story and making it their own, a story that they can identify with. And the purpose of telling a testimony is to show others that you have been given this new story and you're going to tell it in a way that is captivating them and inviting them in to identify with you in that. A new identity in Christ and the hope others will find themselves in. And this is what Paul is doing. He knows how to immediately capture their attention by hitting every brick in the wall that would once be a barrier to them. He speaks first in Aramaic. Now, only highly educated Jews and Jews with uh, tremendous respect were speaking in Aramaic. So as soon as he did that, everyone is hushed and silent. And that's what they say. He says, everyone became silent. And Paul says, I'm a Jew. Now we're starting to see the bricks cracking in the wall. There's a crack. They didn't really know that. They didn't think about it like that. 
He says, I was raised in this town. Another crack. I was taught by your favorite teacher, Gamaliel. Another big crack. That half of those Jews, they didn't even, they knew who he was, but they weren't taught by him. I persecuted Christians. Another crack. I was a Pharisee and I had both the high priest and the elders, the whole council of elders behind me in my persecution of what I was planning to do those Christians. Cracks are happening in the walls. He's speaking to their audience. He's speaking to them. And in that moment, there is a complete silence and he knows he has them. He knows he has their attention. And that's when he says, this is my story. This is my testimony. Now, if you're anything like me, telling your testimony and learning how to tell your testimony can be kind of challenging. Off the fly, I was always bad at it. Off the fly, I was never quite good at it. I remember being in Bible college, and I remember people would walk up to me when uh, I was like 19, and they would say, hey, yeah, how's it going? Oh, your name's Mark. Cool. Tell us your testimony. I was like, I'm not prepared for this. I don't know. Uh, but do I, and, you know, I'm thinking about it in my head. Do I start when I'm young? Do I start when I, I was once born in Seattle? No, that's too early. I was five? Uh, no, I wasn't five. You get mixed up. And it can be easy when you're put on the spot to know how you're going to tell your testimony. But I want you to see here that Paul gives us a beautiful framework in this outline of how we can write down our testimony and know it in a way that it can be memorized actually fairly easily. So as we're looking at this moment, he's captured their attention. We're going to take the same kind of tools that he used, and we're going to do the same thing with it. So grab a pen if you don't have one. I hope you have one. Grab a pencil, you know, grab something, whatever you need. Maybe you're writing it in your phone. I don't know, but I want you to write these things down. Looking at Paul's testimony, verse 3. He says, I'm a Jew. I'm born in Tarsus of Sicily. I was brought up in this city. I want you to write down creation. Answer these questions. How did your life begin? What influences shaped you? Now looking on, four to five, I traveled to Damascus to arrest and persecute Christians. Write down fall. What specific forms of sin and brokenness was in your life? Why was your relationship with God not as it was supposed to be? Creation, fall. Verse 16, verse 6 through 16, he says, I was traveling. A light flashed. Jesus spoke to me, led me to Ananias. I came to faith in Christ. I was baptized. Write down redemption. How did you come to put your faith in Christ? Connect your sins to the gospel story. Verse 17 through 21, he's worshiping in the temple. He goes into a trance and then God speaks to him and says, go to the Gentiles, write down recreation. What has changed and what is changing in your life right now? As a disciple of Jesus, how is God using you? Friends, write down that order so that you too can have the power of being able to tell your testimony 
in a way that you can remember it. So there's creation, fall, redemption, recreation. Now, I personally, I've actually, I've adopted that and that's what I use. And I've just come up with a few sentences to remind me of in each category so that when someone asks me my testimony, I'm not thinking, I'm not double thinking or, you know, getting concerned about anything. I can share it freely and I can share it because I have this framework in my mind. And Paul is telling them his story. As he's telling them his story, he strikes a nerve. And here we find a remarkable passion of urgency as a story is being told. But we're going to see it in ways that we can really learn from and what we can um, we can take away a lot from this. It's worth replicating. So follow me in verses 22 through 29. It says this. They listened to him up to this point. Then they raised their voices shouting, wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. Verse 23. And as they were yelling and flinging aside their garments and throwing dust in the air, This is like language for they're rolling up their sleeves. They're ready to fight, right? The commander ordered him to be brought up into the barracks, directing that he be interrogated with a scourge to discover the reason that they were shouting against him like this. A scourge was a type of whip that had leather bands at the end, kind of that frayed off. And at the end of those leather strings was either shards of glass pieces of metal, incredibly painful. And I want you to imagine this moment of Paul being tied up and a Roman soldier carrying this scourge nearer and nearer towards him. As they stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing by, is it legal for you to scourge a man who was a Roman citizen and who was uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went and reported it to the commander saying, what are you going to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. The commander came in and then he said, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, he said. The commander replied, I bought this citizenship for a large amount of money. But Paul responds, but I was born a citizen. And so those who were about to examine, meaning about to hit him, withdrew from him immediately. The commander was too alarmed when he realized Paul was a Roman citizen and he had bound him up. So the plot thickens and I want to make sure that you see it. I want to know, do you see it? Do you see urgency? And do you see the trust that Paul has to say to trust that God is going to give him the right thing to say at the right time. Holy urgency provides remarkable clarity in dangerous situations. About to be subject yet again to unjust punishment, Paul's urgency provides remarkable clarity. Remarkable clarity, and he is able to speak in such a way, and he knows what to say and how to say it, and makes everything stop. It's incredible. Is it just his wit? Is it just him? 
No, it's not. It's God is able to help us when we are caught in situations when we think that we don't know what to say and perhaps we're overwhelmed. Trust him. Trust him to provide you with the ability to say what you need to and provide remarkable clarity. We often, we come to situations that we're maybe about to approach. Maybe we're even silent over, reason, over situations because we're afraid that we're not going to be able to say the right thing at the right time. That is not, that is not trusting the Lord in moments of urgency. Trust him that he's going to help you say what you need to. Saying what you need to say, trusting in him. We can be through our language, language, we can be voices of justice. We are voices of the gospel, but we can't be afraid. We can't be afraid to speak up. We need to remember to trust Jesus and to trust him that he's going to give us remarkable clarity in urgent situations. But what about, what about emotions? What about emotions? Sometimes people say, well, I'm just afraid that I'm going to get upset or I'm going to be too emotional. I don't want you to think for a second that what I'm saying, this passionate urgency is a cool argument. It is not. Not at all the case because we're going to see in this moment, though he knew how to address the Romans, he addresses with a passionate urgency to the Pharisees in a very, very different way. They withdraw him, and he's brought the next day in front of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, there's the group, there's a group of Pharisees and Sadducees, and this is a remarkably intimidating group of people to be around. They sit him down in front of this council, and Paul looks at them straight in the eyes, and he says, for chapter 23, verse 1, brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience to this day. And their response is they strike him in the mouth. After everything he's been through, if you're not upset right now, I, I, read that again. Read that again and get upset with me because we're gonna learn something in this. Paul says in response to first th- in verse three, God is going to strike you You whitewashed wall, you sit there judging me according to the law, and at the same time, you go against the law by hitting me. Matthew 23, Jesus says the same thing to the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but are within are dead. People's bones, it's full of dead bones and uncleanliness. That's a gospel insult in its finest. You do not want Jesus or Paul telling you that. And they say, in response to that, they're taken back and they say, how dare you talk to us like that? Passionate urgency also justifies times to cry out. 
Because in the most passionate urgency that Paul can even, that he's shown in his most human raw moment, Paul says, I was a Pharisee. I was a Pharisee and there is more than this. There is a resurrection. Wake up. Wake up. See that there is a resurrection in the gospel. The gospel doesn't leave someone in the tomb dead. The gospel says, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This insult of them being whitewashed tombs is a call to respond to the gospel. Church, don't just... See the justice, and and we want to cry out for justice, but we must cry out for the resurrection power of the gospel to infiltrate the darkness and shine the light of Christ in everything. Cry out to Christ to shine justice. Justice will be served by a God who defeated death, but he calls us. He calls us to stand up united and say, wake up. Wake up, sleeper. Know the resurrection of Jesus. Know the truth and the power of the gospel. Be sure this is an urgent cry. And in that moment, In that moment, God will not leave you alone. He will help you. God will draw near and he will bring a presence of courage. Paul's address, it shakes the Sanhedrin. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're struck by this and they begin arguing with each other. And then they argue so much that a, a fight breaks out. They start fighting with each other and they're definitely after Paul and he's pulled out by the Roman guards out of the fight and he's brought back into the barracks. This is the best conclusion to this because after all this, after being dragged out of the temple in chapter 21, being dragged out of the temple, being beaten by the mob, being argued with, being left alone, defending his testimony, being brought to the Pharisees, being hit in the face again, calling them out and calling them towards the gospel, Paul is exhausted. He is exhausted, tired, And looking at this, highly likely he's afraid because he doesn't know what's going to happen next. Verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, have courage for you, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify about me in Rome. Have courage. That's what's amazing about Jesus is how personal he is in bringing courage when people need it most. When Jesus was walking on the waves in the Lake of Galilee and the disciples, they were filled with fear. He says the exact same thing. He says, have courage. Don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid. Have courage. I love Jesus. I love how kind he is to weary disciples who are caught in storms and who are, find themselves afraid. He's so kind to us and his, his presence that he brings fills the disciple with courage and we are caught in his story and we are filled with hope and we're filled with perseverance. When I lived, with, when I lived in Guam, I heard this powerful story of the Chamorro people. They're the indigenous islanders of Guam. This was during the end of World War II, and this is a story that's shared among many on the island. So there's this story of, this was in the end of World War II, and the Chamorros were caught in the middle of two, of two opposing forces. They were caught in, in between the Japanese and the U.S., and they were fighting on this island, and the Japanese had just taken it over, and the U.S. were trying to get it back, and in the middle, caught up in this, were the Chamorro natives, and they found themselves suffering devastating atrocities during this time. One night, Jose Chafuras, a Chamorro who was, he was harvesting food that night, when two Japanese soldiers approached him. Now, they had set up different concentration camps, and this, this night, filled with a hatred towards his people, towards him, they began attacking him. He hadn't been doing anything there. He hadn't been doing anything wrong, but they began attacking him. Unable to defend himself, he was taking beating after beating, and the soldiers, they weren't content with the bruises. No, in this moment, they had him kneel down, turn around. And one of the leading soldiers, he took out his samurai and he held it up and he struck Jose in the back of the neck. Leaving him for dead, they just left. But Jose didn't stay dead. His friends found him, brought him back, tended to his wounds, kept him hidden where he could fully recover. And 35 years later, his story reached the hearts and gave courage to the entire island, all of the Chamorros would look at Jose and he would always, by the way, he was also known for always being joyful and having a smile on his face. But when they would see Jose, they would see a half inch deep scar covering the entire back of his neck. But when they looked at his scar, it would fill them with courage. His story became their story. His identity became theirs. His courage became their courage. His scar was a testimony to their strength, to their perseverance as a people. This was a story of beauty and brokenness, of hope and hopelessness, and of courage and fear.
If you feel broken right now, if you feel hopeless, if you feel fearful, if you're afraid that your story doesn't have any power, that you don't have a voice, and that you don't know if you can say the right thing at the right time, remember that you find your story in the one whose scarborn hands are reaching out and saying, Have courage. As we respond to the events around us with urgency, we can have confidence to say, I know the darkness all around me. I am all too familiar with the sin and the fallenness of this world and the injustice that it brings, but I have a story to tell because I have been given a new one. A new story that has been swept up in a new identity of Jesus that no pain no persecution or even death can keep me from because I am in the resurrection. The gospel story is my story and I am going to tell it. Church, be reminded that you are swept up in God's story of grace. Your identity is found in Jesus and our hope and our courage is in him. So let's tell our story together. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the hope that you give us through your gospel. And we thank you for the courage that you bring. Let your light shine in the fallenness of this world. Let your light shine and let everyone see in moments of injustice and in pain and in suffering the beauty of the cross. And let our story be swept up and be given in yours. Let us share the story of the gospel. Let us trust you. Give us the faith to trust you and that we would trust the moments when you call us to speak up, when you call us to share our testimony, that we would be bold, that we would be courageous because we have you, we have your spirit with us. We love you so much. In Christ's name, amen.